Well, amen. Let's look in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to share a message entitled Stewards of Grace. Stewards of Grace out of 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll begin reading in uh, verse 7 and, uh, and read down to uh, verse 11. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, watch unto prayer, and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another uh, without grudging. As every man hath received a gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And if any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we're so thankful uh, to be in church this morning. It's always a blessing to gather together as believers in Christ be able to study the Word of God. I pray, Lord, you'd help us to have a sense of God's touch and God's anointing and moving upon our lives as uh, we bring uh, 2019 to a close and we look to launch out in the new year, Lord, as truly the stewards of the grace of God. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone with us that's not sure they're saved, Holy Spirit of God, bring conviction upon them that they might come and receive Christ as our Savior, then I would pray for every one of us as believers in Christ who might realize uh, the precious um, responsibility and obligation that we have uh, to live our life as a real testimony of the light of Christ, a real testimony of the grace of God, and Lord, that we might be able to impact uh, the world in which we live uh, for the cause of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that you bless the preaching of the Word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 10. Peter says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So, stewards of grace. Uh, Paul, I'm sorry, Peter is warning here in this chapter, as we read in verse 7. He says, but, all th the, uh, but the end of all things is at hand. And so he's warning uh, that the end is coming upon them very quickly. It's amazing how the first century Christians believed and how the apostles would preach the word of God with such assurance and confidence that the world was coming to an end in their day. And yet here some 2,000 years later, the world is still here. How much more we need to take heed to the warnings that the end is at hand. The word at hand always means ready to burst forth at any moment. And so Peter's giving warning here uh, that the Christian needs to live their life based on the reality that they don't have much time left. And the world does not have much time, and so we need to live our life for the glory of God as stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so then he gives some instruction in verse 7 down to verse 10 and guidelines on how we are to personally live our life. How do we personally evaluate our relationship with the Lord and walk with the Lord? And so in verse 7 says, But the end of all things is at hand. 
Be therefore sober. And so the word sober, did I put these things on there, uh, April? Okay, I wasn't sure whether I did or not. I put them on the other day, uh, I should say last week, and I don't remember what I put on. So this is going to be a surprise to me what shows up, amen. <laughs> anyway, it says he gives some guidelines on a personal evaluation. Have we ever come, when we come to the end of the year, I'm always in a mindset of personal evaluation, evaluating my life from the past year, evaluating ministry, opportunities, uh, uh, looking at life uh, through the lens of, you know, backwards so that I might be able to develop a vision for what I ought to be forward for Christ. And so uh, Peter is saying the end is at hand. It's ready to spring forth. And so your response needs to be sober. That means to be of a sound mind. And uh, in Romans chapter 1, when uh, man did not acknowledge God, was not thankful for the Lord, uh, God gave them up to a reprobate mind, it says. And the word reprobate means literally to be void of any sound judgment. And Peter's saying for the believer, as we are facing the end days, that we need to be sober, we need to be serious-minded, uh, we need to be sound-minded. Uh, the, the internet and gaming and all this is capturing the minds of our young people. And the sad thing of older folks too, we get so consumed with uh, living in the realm of, uh, of you know, something that is displayed that that's not real. And then we have to start making decisions about life that are real. And uh, we wonder why people seem like they've lost their mind. And Peter is saying this, when we go in facing the end days, the end times, we need to be sober. We need to be serious minded. So we need to have a sound mind. Then he says in verse seven, and says, and watch unto prayer. So we need not only be sober, but we need to be prayerful. And it's interesting, the word that is there used for watch means temperate. Uh, watch on the prayer. In other words, you're disciplined in this matter of praying. Uh, one of the, the greatest uh, principles that the Christian has at really their fingertips and on their heart is the ability to talk to God through prayer. But the most neglected discipline in the life of a Christian is this matter of prayer. And so Peter says, as we face the end days, as we're aware of the fact that the Lord is coming is at hand, you need to be prayerful. You need to be watching under prayer. You need to discipline yourself to exercise the privilege that we have to talk to God in prayer. And that's about all things. And so when I think of evaluating what 2019 was, was I seriously minded? Was I sound in my mind? And was I tempered and deliberate in my prayer life? And then I see he tells us, in uh, verse 8, it says, And above all things, have fervent charity, which we know that word is love. Have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. And the word here for charity is agape. And so that deals with a love, be loving, in reference to being sacrificial. Have a sacrificial type of love uh, for others and certainly for our God. He says, above everything else, we need that fervency in charitable love towards one another. And he tells us because of the fact that charity or agape covers a multitudes of sins. There are things that were done wrong to you, most likely in 2019. 
but it is the charity, it is the agape love that God instills in our hearts that enables us to forgive those who have done us wrong. It is the love of God that is a sacrificial love that Christ died on Calvary, demonstrating that deep love that God has for us that enables us to be forgiven and to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And so we need to be sober, we need to be prayerful, we need to be loving. And then in verse 9 he says to be hospitable. In verse 9 he says, use hospitality one towards another without grudging. And literally it carries with the idea of being generous, being generous to each other. Uh, brothers and sisters in Christ need to be concerned about one another and be willing to be hospitable, be generous, to be able to reach out, to be a comfort, uh, to be a help to others when they are in need. And so he tells us the end is at hand, you need to be hospitable. And then he tells us in verse 10 to be ministering. He says in verse 10, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so we're to be ministering, which means we're to be a servant. Jesus said he had not come to uh, be served, but to serve. Uh, he did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister. And uh, when we think of the coming of Christ, we think of the nearness of the end of time. It reminds us that we need to be involved in ministering to others. In other words, God has gifted you. God has given you talents and skills that you're to exercise and to use to be able to minister to others, whether it be Bible study, be prayer, whether it be physical needs, whether it be mentoring, uh, whatever it may be, uh, God has gifted us to use those gifts for his glory in ministering one towards another. And so he declares the ability for us to do these things is because God has made us good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Uh, how can we be loving when you're in a world that is unloving? By the manifold grace of God. Uh, how can I be hospitable to others that may not return the favor by the manifold grace of God? All these things that we need to exercise and live uh, in light of the return of Christ are going to be experienced by the manifold grace of God that is in us. A steward is someone who manages someone else's goods or possessions. And so it is God who extends grace to us. And God has given us the privilege to manage that grace that he has extended to us. Uh, grace is just simply God giving us what we do not deserve. None of us deserve to go to heaven, but God has offered us a way to go to heaven through his grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, it is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so that grace that has been extended to us that grace that gives us what we do not deserve, God states that he has made us a steward, a manager of that grace so that we can minister to others also. And so we are the stewards of the manifold grace of God. Grace is simply, it is pure and simply the rewards of God given to a rebellious man. That's all it is. 
God giving us his blessing, giving us his rewards to those that are the enemy of God, to those that are rebellious against God, God yet extends his goods to us. And so the grace of God. It is God giving us his love rather than giving us his judgment. And so when we think about us as being the stewards of the grace of God, uh, that puts a lot of uh, responsibility on us on how we're to respond to others and how we're to live our life for the glory of God. I like what Martin Luther said in reference to this matter of grace. He said, faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace. So sure and certain that a man could stake his life on it a thousand times. And uh, we live in the realm of the grace of God. We are assured of heaven based on the grace of God. We live our life in encouraging and helping others based on the grace of God. So stewards of grace. How good of a steward were you this past year? How did you manage the grace of God in your life this past year? Uh, how did you exercise God's forgiveness and God's mercy and God's uh, blessings and rewards in your life this past year? So this is a great chap uh, chapter to look at, a great message to think about. It's basically a message of evaluation of what my life has been for this past year and how it can be more uh, 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 instructive and experiential in reference of managing the grace of God. So first of all, I thought of this. I thought of uh, how did we do in giving account of my speech before the Lord. In Matthew chapter 12, we're going to look at quite a few different verses today. In uh, Matthew, in uh, chapter 12 and verse 36, speaks about our speech. Matthew 12 and verse 36. But I say unto you, that every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Um, a minister of the grace of God, a steward of the grace of God in reference to my speech. The reality is what we say, how we say it, uh, how we re uh, uh, communicate with others, uh, we are going, or the lack of it, uh, we are going to give an account before the Lord someday. People think they can just say what they want to say, do what, you know, it's amazing with social media, people spout out all kinds of things and think they're not accountable for it. Yes, you are. You're accountable for it before God. As Christians, we are accountable for our speech uh, with others. And I just thought about our speech. First of all, I thought of this, just simply, I have to answer several questions. Have I been honest in my speech? In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 25, it says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And uh, so this matter of our speech, the, I'm a steward of the grace of God. God has given me his grace and given me a new language. He's given me a new life. He's given me a new a responsibility that I need to be accountable for what I say. And, and certainly I need to be accountable whether I've been honest or not. You know, it's tax season is quickly running upon us here. And that's one of the glorious things about celebrating Christmas is right after it starts, <laughs> tax season comes upon us. Uh, are you honest in your taxes? Are you honest with coworkers? Are you honest with one another in your conversations uh, in the church? 
uh, in your family? Are you honest? And uh, we have developed a mindset in our society that will, our conversation can be dishonest and we can say, well, whatever we want. You watch your politicians, you watch uh, uh, news programs, you watch all this stuff that people say and it's absolutely not true. Christians should not live that way. Christians have been given the grace of God and because Christians have been given the grace of God, our speech can be different. We can be honest in our conversations. But I have to answer the question also. In Ephesians 4.29, have I been edifying? Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. I mean, it's amazing how direct the Bible is about our conversation, about how we talk one towards another. And he says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And so here we are a steward of the grace of God in managing how we talk to one another is our conversation not only honest, but is our conversation building someone up? Is our conversation being edifying to others? And God has given us that obligation and responsibility to edify one another in our language, in our communication, because of the fact it will minister grace to the hearers. And how we need to minister grace one towards another. And uh, oftentimes we're not mindful, or we, I've seen people say things, and I, I've, thought, I've told Joanne over the years, do people even think about what they say? Do, do, do you ever stop to just think about the degrading remark that you say or unloving comment that you make towards someone. And so when the Bible has given us grace to have our language under the power of God and the grace of God that's been manifested in us can manifest itself in someone else. So uh, have I been honest? Have I been edifying? Uh, Colossians 4, 6, I have to answer the question. Have I been gracious? I don't know what the answers are. I have to answer these for myself. Every one of us need to answer these questions honestly with ourselves. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech be always. It didn't say sometimes. It didn't say once in a while. It says, let your speech be always with grace. You say, well, I just, I need to speak my mind. If you're going to have a voice or a speech that is gracious, you're not going to be worrying about speaking your mind. You're going to be extending grace to the person you're speaking to. They may not deserve it, but that's what grace is. And so he says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. And I thought about salt. Certainly salt is a preserver. Salt is certainly can make someone thirsty or desire to know more. If we are, our speech is with grace, it will open the lines of communication. But if we're going to be rough and gruff and demeaning and, and defiling one another, uh, then the ability to communicate is going to shut down. So let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. 
So I don't know how to respond to people in certain situations. Uh, I need God's grace to be extended to me, and I need to extend to them the grace of God so that I might be able to know how to respond uh, to every situation, every conversation I come into. And I can know that. I can be gracious in my communication with others because of the grace of God that has been extended to me. Uh, I have to answer the question, have I been pleasant? In uh, Proverbs chapter 15, in Proverbs 15 and 23, it says, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good is it? And so, have I been pleasant? And, uh, you know, some people, I see them coming, and just I'm just ready to run the other way, because I expect something unloving or unkind or something harsh to come out of their mouth. And it's, it's just amazing to me how quickly we are willing to spout off things with a bad spirit and a bad attitude. And when in reality, God has extended grace to us and he speaks love to us, he speaks mercy to us, he speaks life to us, but yet we can't communicate that way to one another. And so, uh, have I been pleasant? In Proverbs chapter 29, in verse 20, and uh, in Proverbs 29 and 20, I have to answer the question, have I been patient? Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words, there is more hope of a fool than of him. And so we just, sometimes we just need to remind ourselves that God's grace has been extended to us. Let's just be patient with one another. And uh, there's sometimes you just don't need to answer somebody. And uh, uh, answer not a fool according to his folly. And so be patient enough to let God work it out. You know, Job said, if I justify myself, my own mouth shall condemn me. And if we are will, not willing to be patient with one another, but we feel that we got to respond verbally and attack one another verbally constantly all the time, uh, you're never going to be exercising the grace of God. You're never going to be a good steward of the grace of God because God's grace has been extended to us, we're to extend it to one another. We're to be patient with one another. Jonathan Edwards said this, Grace is but glory begun, and glory is but grace perfected. We often talk about the glory of God. We talk about wanting the glory of God to come down. We talk about the glory of God being manifest in our life. I just know this, that it is not going to take place if grace is not being extended. If grace is not uh, um, managing my speech because I'm a steward of the grace that God has given me, uh, then certainly I'm not going to be able to experience the glory of God. And so uh, George Whitfield said this, God forbid that I should travel with anybody a quarter of an, uh, an hour without speaking of Christ to them. You know, it's, it's amazing how we're very quick to gripe and complain about everything. It's amazing how quickly we have no problems with expressing our political views. It's amazing how quickly we justify our bad spirit and bad attitude in our voice and our vocabulary uh, that we express ones towards another, but how uh, uneasy we are about speaking about the grace of God that's been extended to us. You know, it, it would be well if everyone that we came in contact with, we stopped worrying about communicating 
a worldly view and a worldly response and realize that God has given you the stewardship of his grace in the area of your speech. And you can communicate that grace to others if we would just open our mouths up and be honest and edifying and gracious and be pleasant and be patient one with another. And so, stewards of the grace of God. How well did you make out in the area of grace in reference to your speech this past year? The reality is this year is going to be done in two, two days. This year will be over. There's absolutely nothing you can regain or be able to accomplish in 2019 after two days from now. So if you haven't done very well in your speech, this is a great time to make a decision, Lord, in this new year, put a watch over my mouth. Lord, in this new year, help me to extend grace to others in how I talk one with another. And so stewards of grace in reference to my speech. Well, over in Luke chapter 16, Luke chapter 16 and verse 2, uh, we see this matter of grace in reference to my stewardship. In Luke chapter uh, 16 and verse 2, this is, the, this is the, the point that all of you are going to love. It's my, in reference to my stewardship. Things get quiet when you start talking about that. But in Luke chapter 16, in verse 2, it says, And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Now, we know this is a parable that Jesus gives, and it describes about the, the one who was a steward of the master's household and how he managed the things that were left to him and was in his responsibility to take care of those things. And uh, as a result of his uh, unwillingness to manage it well, his stewardship was taken away from him. And so you and I have to realize that God has given us a stewardship of the income that we have. It may be a lot, it may be little, but whatever it is, God has given you the responsibility by his grace to manage that well. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, in uh, verse 1 through 7, says, Moreover, brethren, we do you the wit of the grace of God, we often don't think about that when it comes to stewardship of finances. And he's talking about the grace of God that enables us to be able to manage the things that God has given us. More of our brethren, I do, do I, uh, we, do, uh, we you, do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trial and affliction, abundance of their joy, and the deep poverty abounded under riches of their liberality, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty, that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus that he, I'm sorry, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in all uh, diligence, and in your love towards us, see that ye abound in this grace also. So just as important it is for us to understand that we have grace uh, in our speech, 
We can be gracious in our speech. It is the grace of God that enables us to manage the finances that he gives to us. It's by God's grace. And uh, it is not according to man's ability and his talents, but as a Christian, we understand it's by God's grace. So I have to answer the question. A lot of questions in this message this morning. I have to answer the question, have I tithed this past year? Why? Because Leviticus tells us all the tithe of the land is the Lord's. Uh, it's amazing to me that, that in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23, and uh, also in uh, Luke chapter 11 and verse 42, Jesus addresses this issue. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you pay tithe of mint and anise and come in and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you have done and not leave the others undone. And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees were all great for going out on tangents constantly. They would add to the word of God. They would take away from the word of God. And when it comes to stewardship, the grace of God that's been extended to us it enables us to be able to uh, give an offering. Our offerings are not based on the fact of you making a lot of money and someone else making a little bit of money, but God established a way there would be equality in our giving, and that equality was established through the tithe. All the tithes of the land is the Lord's, and so tithe is 10% of your income. And I remember I was driving tractor and trailer. I always got paid in two checks, one for driving the truck. And then we, I was an you know, independent driver, and so they would pay us a lease on the truck. And I, when I got saved, I started tithing. Different people were like, well, what do you tithe on? Do you tithe on the driver's pay? Because the driver's pay is actually what you're making, but the check for the lease of your truck, that is in reference to your business. So you don't have to tithe on that. I mean, they're going crazy on this whole thing. And I said, whoa, whatever comes in, whatever comes in my household, I take 10% of it, I give it to the Lord. And uh, you, you tithe, you say, I've had people say, well, do you tithe on the net after the taxes? I, I, I always tell them, well, wait a minute. Uncle Sam takes it off of the gross, amen, then you pay your tithe on the gross. And all right, I, didn't, I don't know, maybe I don't, I don't know. You're getting awful nervous. You say, well, I can't do this. That's why you need grace. That's why you need grace. The first thing that I thought of when I got saved, I was making a lot of money driving tractor and trailer. That was back in the days when you could make money driving tractor and trailer. Now, I was making a lot of money. The first thing that hit me was tithe 10%. That's a lot of money. And God smacked me right upside the head. And so, wait a minute. I gave you grace to be able to give. You give. And I started tithing. It was amazing. God's blessings. You can't outgive God. And tithe is just the beginning. That's baby giving. A mature giving is when you start giving past the tithe and start giving abundantly by the grace of God. It's exciting to get involved with the grace giving, the stewardship of grace. God has given us the gift of grace to be able to give and to tithe. Then I thought of this, my stewardship in reference to finances, have I saved? Have you saved any money this year? I was listening to radio yesterday. I was out doing some visiting. And I was listening to radio and I was listening to this financial program. 
And uh, this woman called in and she said, well, I need some advice on how to deal with my uh, credit card debt. I've got myself in a lot of trouble with credit card debt. She said, uh, and the guy on the radio said, well, how much do you owe? How much credit card? She said, I have $85,000 in credit card debt. I thought, what in the world? What nut would do something like that? $85,000 in credit card debt. Are we, are we mad? Are we, are we that ridiculous when it comes to spending money that we don't have? How much money did you save this year? Well, I bought this. I had to buy. No. How much money did you save? See, we're not, God has not only given us the grace and ability to give to the ministry and to the work of God, then honor him with our tithes and our free will offerings, but God has given us grace to be able to save. Proverbs chapter 6, in verse 6, says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Ain't like that one, Nate Dave. Amen. <laughs> Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. And so shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man. Did you save any money this year? Didn't have to be a lot, but did you save something? And see, we live our life in, we're in America. We've become so oriented on getting everything that we need, uh, not necessarily what we need, but everything that we want immediately. And because I have to get it immediately, we run ourselves into debt and we don't have the ability to be able to save any money. And then we come to the end of our life and then, we're just, and then we wonder why we don't have any money. God has given grace to us to be able to manage our money well for the glory of God by His grace. So I have to answer a question. Have I tithed? Have I saved? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, I have to answer the question. Have I been benevolent? In other words, have I reached out to others? Have I tried to help others? 1 Timothy chapter 6 in verse 18, Paul helps us understand this. He says, Oh, um, that they do good, and that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. And so he deals with those that have wealth and those have financial means, that our mind is not about just hoarding stuff for ourselves, but it's the grace of God that helps us to have a heart to help someone else that is in need. And, uh, you know, it, it's always amazing to me, all these big stars, rock stars, f professional football players, politicians, uh, uh, how they go on and on and on about poverty in the inner city and problems with this and that and financial and all that. But I never hear them about taking any of their money and giving it to people or establishing programs to help people. I heard the other day, Elizabeth Warren running for president, going on and on and on about rich people's this and rich people's that. She's worth $12 billion. $12 billion. Are you kidding me? 
What have you done to help somebody? What benevolence have you exercised to reach out to somebody? It's just amazing to me. We have lost in America the concept of gracious giving, whether it be our saving, whether it be our tithing, or whether it be benevolent giving, we have lost that whole thing. Billy Graham said this, God has given us two hands, one to receive with and the other to give with. I like that. He said this, we are not cisterns made for hoarding. We are channels made for giving. And I think so many times we get so caught up with the concept of the world's um, matter of finances that we forget that God has extended grace to us, that we can enjoy that grace and manage that grace in the area of our finances. Andrew Murray said this, the world asks, what does a man own? Christ asked, how does he use it? I think God, at the end of our life, God is more interested in how we use the resources that he has given us than he is in reference to how much we're able to amass or to accumulate. How are you using by grace what God has given you? And so, stewards of grace in my speech, stewards of grace in my management of my money. And then I thought of this. And about myself and as an individual, uh, how have I exercised the manifold grace of God in my life? Romans 14 and 12 says that every one of us will have to give an account to God for himself. The amazing thing is you're not going to stand in front of, some, uh, in front of God to give an account for somebody else's life. You're going to stand in front of God to give an account for your own life. And uh, first, uh, first Timothy chapter 5 in verse 22, I have to answer the question, have I been pure? It says, drink no longer water, but use a little wine. No, it's not with the verse I wanted. Oh, verse 22. And I'll, I'll read verse 22 and 23 together. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partner of another, other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. And that's why Paul tells Timothy not to drink water any longer. The water was not healthy for him because of his stomach problems. Use a little wine, which is not the wine that we have on shelves today. Uh, but he says, use a little wine, which was grape juice, for thy stomach's sake and thy often infirmities. And so he says, we have to watch out that we do not partake in other men's sins. Have I been pure? The world's philosophy is everything on the internet uh, is justified in being able to watch, and it's not. I've seen so many people, since the internet has become so powerful and so influential, I've seen, I've seen marriages ruined. I have seen, in the last 25 years, I have seen children's lives ruined. I've seen churches ruined because of the fact we do not manage our life on the soundness of being pure. You say, well, what's being pure? Everything that God commands us not to do, if you do it, you're impure. If God says, thou shalt not, that means you don't. Period. Well, you know, the days in which really, it doesn't matter what the days are we live in. You have to answer the question, have I been pure? God has given you grace to enable you to be pure. In your thoughts, in your conversation, 
in your conduct, how you relate to one another, God has given us the ability, His grace, to be able to be pure in a world that is filthy. I have to answer the question in reference to myself. Have I been Christ-like? Romans 8.29 says, For whom the Lord did foreknow, He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. So as a Christian, the grace of God that has extended me is for the purpose of me being Christ-like. You say, well, how should I live? How should... Should a Christian live? Very simple. Open up the Gospels, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, evaluate and study the life of Christ, and that's how you're supposed to live. Not supposed to be living like the world, you're supposed to be living like Christ. You say, well, that's hard. Yes, that's why God gave you grace. And it's God's grace that is always sufficient. So I have to answer the question, have I been Christ-like? I have to answer the question also, have I been friendly? Proverbs 18.24 is a man's going to have friends. He must show himself friendly. It's amazing over the years. Uh, we have developed such a sensitivity because of social media. Everybody's offended by everything. And people are so unloving and so unkind. And yet they'll turn around and say, well, I just don't have any friends like so-and-so has friends. Well, have you showed yourself friendly? People don't want to be around somebody that's a bully. People don't want to be around somebody that's defiling themselves. People don't want to be around someone who is demeaning and demoralizing people. People don't want to be around something like that. If you want to have friends, then you need to be friendly. And how are you friendly? You're Christ-like and you're pure in your relationships. I have to evaluate myself in reference to have I been a witness Jesus sent 70 out also to be a witness of who he was and what he would do and what he would accomplish. And God has called us, God has sent us to be a witness. It is by God's grace that we can testify of the love of God. And then I thought of this, just simply uh, evaluating, have I been faithful? 1 Corinthians 4 and 2 says, Moreover, brethren, it's required of a steward that a man be found faithful. Peter's saying, God has made us stewards of the manifold grace of God. How faithful have you been in managing the grace of God? Because God has called us to be faithful. I like what Matthew Henry said. He said this, extraordinary afflictions are not always the punishment of extraordinary sins, but sometimes the trial of extraordinary graces. Sanctified afflictions are spiritual promotions. Now, God has extended his grace to us. And Peter said, now you need to be aware, the end is at hand. And because the end is at hand, here are some guidelines on how you ought to conduct yourself. But remember this, the primary thing you need to remember is that God has made us good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And if God's grace is sufficient to save us, God's grace is sufficient to secure us, then God's grace is sufficient and powerful enough for me to manage my life for me to, to take control of my finances, for me to watch the conversation and the speech that I have. How can I have that? proper relationships? It's because of God's grace. 
And folks, he has made you and he has made me the managers of his grace. He has made us ministers of his grace. He has given us opportunities to extend his grace to others. As we leave 2019, you have to evaluate what was your life in 2019. Say, well, there's a lot of areas that just wasn't too good. Well, praise God, we got a new year. You can confess your sins. He's faithful and just forgive our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. And you can launch out in 2020 in the manifold grace of God. Because his grace is always sufficient. Christ is our sufficiency. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. I'm thankful, Lord, for this message. I'm thankful for uh, the heartbeat of Peter warning us, reminding us, Lord, that we are the stewards of the manifold grace of God. Help us, Lord, to uh, manage our life well. Help us to experience an anointing and power of the Spirit of God so we might be able to extend grace to others. And I pray, Lord, that, that because of that, I mean, there'll be a major difference in our life. There'll be a major difference in our relationships that we have because it's all because of your grace. And so I pray that you bless in this invitation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's